What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Exodus chapter 3. That's the second book of the Bible. So if you go all all the way to the front and you go past Genesis, you go to the book of Exodus, we're going to chapter 3. And uh, and as I was praying, um, praying for today, I actually had a different message this last week that I was working on that kind of flowed with what I thought things had been going, and, and God just kind of stopped me and, and hit the brakes. You know, he said, pump the brakes a little bit, and so I pumped the brakes, and so he said, listen, there's something else that I want you to remember that is going to be key, and, and for me, initially, I felt like God was just speaking to me. Uh, in my position, sometimes it's important for me to understand whether God's just talking to me or whether he's telling me something that he wants to tell you, and so at first, I thought he was just talking to me. And, and I needed to remember some things. But as he continued to speak and as I continued to look through what God was showing me in Scripture, I began to realize this is something that is exactly where we are right now as a church. And so I hope that, I hope it connects with your heart today. I hope that's what we're, um, hope we're going to see some fruit from that. So Exodus chapter 3, and uh, we're going to start in verse 1. How many of y'all heard of Moses before? There's been lots of wonderful movies made of him. Charlton Heston did a great job. Uh, you know, Disney, they did their thing. Um, we're going to get into the, the real version of Moses today. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, One day, almost sounds like it's a, starting off as a Disney movie. One day. We're in a forest. No, okay, anyway. You're like, no, that's more like Star Wars. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. It says, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. This is that burning bush moment. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing. I believe that's exactly how he said it. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, come take a closer look. And God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. We remember that part, right? Remember that. The booming voice of God. Here I am, Moses replied. And he goes, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for where you are standing on is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, He covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. I think I would have done pretty much the same thing. It says, then the Lord uh, told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of the harsh uh, harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Is it good to know that God is aware of your suffering? More than being aware of your suffering, he's at work to do something about it. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey and uh, lactose-free for those who needed it. And the land where the, Canaan, uh, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hib, all the ites live there now. It says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. 
now go. Now, if, you've, if you had heard the first part and you were Moses, you would have been like, man, this is great. I'm so glad. God, I'm glad that you have heard the cry of, of the people. Man, that's awesome. So, gl- so glad to know that you're here. And many of us would have been content for God to stop speaking at that point. But he didn't. He says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Now let me skip ahead because there's the rest of the next few verses is basically Moses continuing to protest, continuing to complain, continuing to tell God why he can't do it, and God saying how he can and how he should and how he will. And then we get to ver- chapter 4, in verse 1 and 2, because this is where it really gets, it gets practical, it gets real, and we begin to see God do something uh, magnificent. Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, But Moses protested again. He's still protesting, even into the next chapter. What if, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And what if they say the Lord never appeared to you? And then the Lord asked him a very, a very, very simple question. He goes, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? Father, I pray just in the moments that we have together today, Lord, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness in our life. Father, we thank you for your love and for your grace. And we ask today that you would open up our hearts to receive, that you would break down any walls or religious barriers, any, anything that would keep us from hearing what you're trying to speak to us today. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come through, that your anointing would come through in this time today, in this experience, in person, online. Holy Spirit, that you would come through and do a work that only you can do today. And we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. 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 How many of you have ever been in a, a situation or a season where you were not fully confident that you had what it took to get through that situation or that season? We, all of us, like we can, we can all identify with that, whether it was today or another year or whatever it is, or you're thinking ahead to what's ahead of you, and there's just this sense of like, oh my gosh, how in the world are we going to get through this? How am I going to have X, Y, and Z to accomplish what it takes? Um, I want to I go back in time a little bit, a little bit to my childhood. Um, when I was growing up, we didn't have, you know, on-demand stuff. There wasn't just instant whatever shows and and apps, and man, wow, that makes me sound really old. That's like an old man analogy. We're like, when I was a kid, you know, okay, sorry. But, but we, had, we had one TV, and there was only really one option. And in my particular house, if I wanted to watch, that meant I got to watch what my dad was watching. Now, side note, on Sunday, that meant that he was watching golf, which I like to play golf. I don't like to watch golf. Watching golf is one of the most boring things that I can ever imagine, and I was scarred growing up as a kid. And my father would sleep on Sunday after church while watching golf. Just give me a moment. I'm having this is like a little therapy session. And he was asleep, and I knew that Michael Jordan was playing on the other channel, and I just had to creep up there, and yes, I'm actually clicking, not the, not the remote. I'm actually physically clicking the thing on the TV. Man, I'm so old. And my dad would say, hey, I'm watching that. And I believe I've probably done that to my kids now, haven't I? The cycle has come full circle. Anyway, that's not what my story was about. There was this show that, that I used to watch with my dad back in the day. This is like late 80s, early 90s. And even recently, they've made kind of a remake of the show, but there was a show called MacGyver. 
Not the new one. The old one. I think we even got a picture. Yeah, look, look at that dude. Steely-eyed, you know. So here's, here's the thing about MacGyver, if you've never heard of him. He was the guy that, regardless of the situation, he worked, actually, let me read this. This was actually the, uh, the description from the network. MacGyver is a top agent for the Phoenix Foundation, a progressive agency devoted to righting the wrongs of the world. Even more progressive in the, is this genius MacGyver who never carries a gun and always thwarts the enemy with his vast scientific knowledge, sometimes with little more than a paper clip and a duct tape in his pocket. That's MacGyver. And literally, like, the world would be on the verge of World War III. Nuclear holocaust is about to break out. And he's like, I have a paper clip, and I have duct tape in my pocket, a piece of it. We will end all terrorism. And he did by the end of the show. Within 30 minutes, factoring the commercials, he had about 15 minutes to get it done every single week, and somehow he did. I don't ever remember there being a to-be-continued, so it never even took him two episodes to do it. He was just 15 minutes. I can probably also save him 15% on car insurance. But MacGyver, MacGyver, he always was able to accomplish what needed to be accomplished, even though it looked like he didn't have what it took to get the job done. So if you think about this, the reality of our life and the life that we have been created to live, the life, if we use the word called, that God has called us to live, can very much feel like that. We can very much be in different positions and situations where we, where we think that what is ahead of us or what's facing us, what we want to do, dreams, passions, desires, the things that God has placed in us, and maybe even the things that we feel God has called us to is beyond what we are capable of actually being able to do. So today, if, you, if you're taking notes, you need, to be, you need to be taking notes. And I say it every week because we're not just speaking to your Sunday. We're speaking to your Monday through your Saturday. So we're giving you something that you can be meditating on, studying on, praying on, growing on during the week. So I want everybody to do me a favor right now. Put your hands up in the air, both hands at home. Put your hands up. If you're driving, don't, don't do that. But everybody else, and look at somebody next to you and say, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Normally I would say give high five. You can give a high five or an air five or, or you know, just a metaphorical five or digital five, whatever it may be. What's in your hand? Put your hands down. I'm surprised you held your hands up that long. I mean, that's, y'all were dedicated to that moment. I appreciate that. What's in your hands? See, here's the deal. The, the key to your breakthrough is so much closer than you even know. The key is so much closer than you even know. God says you can. The circumstances say that you can't. So something has to give. So I'm praying that today, just in the moments that we have together, that that thing will begin to be illuminated inside of you. That breakthrough will come in today so that you can understand that it's not on you to figure it out. It's not on you to have what it takes, but it is on you to figure out who does have what it takes and then be able to tap into that today. So, okay, we, we were in Ephesians. Uh, why do I keep saying Ephesians? It starts with the letter E. We were in Exodus. Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I think that's why I did that. We were in Exodus chapter 3, chapter 4, so let's kind of look at what's going on here. In chapter 3, we see that God is identifying a significant problem. The nation of Israel had been in 400 years of slavery in Egypt, and they didn't start out that way. You can read chapter 1, and it gives you the history of how they even got there in the first place. And chapter 2, Moses kind of shows up on the scene. And then chapter 3, we see God responding to the cries of his people. And that's not what we're talking about today, but it is important to realize that God will respond to the cries of his people. He's not, he's not deaf. He can hear. 
And just because he doesn't come through when we want him doesn't mean that he's not going to come through. God is faithful. He is going to come through. He's going to be true to his word. But the Hebrews are crying out to God. God hears their prayers. And then he says, hey, I've got a solution to bring these people out of the slavery and the bondage they've experienced. And I'm going to use somebody to do it. And again, more times than not, God doesn't just sprinkle dust and make things go away and just breathe on something. All of a sudden, something that was broken before is now all of a sudden so much better. More times than not, God uses people to do the things that he's trying to accomplish. That's consistent all throughout Scripture. God has always used individuals, people, groups, couples to do mighty things for him that he could do on his own. But for whatever reason, God has desired to partner with and to work through the individuals who are the carriers of his image, the people who embody the heart of what God desires to see through his creation. Flawed and imperfect and jacked up, God still says, I want to use you. Somebody say, God, use me. Don't, just, don't be surprised when you feel used. I just feel, I feel like I just feel used. I feel like I'm being used all the time. You prayed a prayer. You just said it. It's going to happen. All right, verse, verse 10. So this is where God drops the bomb on Moses. He goes, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead Israel out of Egypt. So as you continue to read, you, you can instantly see the fears and the insecurities that were inside of Moses. Because all of a sudden, his response is not, it's about time. I'm so glad that you finally noticed me. Been here all day, been here all night. God, what, what took so long? You know, here, I got, I got the skills. I was just listening for the call, you know. No, it was the opposite of that. It was not me. Like, what if I don't, I don't, you know, had everything. He had every fear, every insecurity. I don't have what it takes. What if they don't believe me? What if what you're saying actually isn't true? What if I'm having a weird dream and that bush is not actually on fire, not being consumed? What if it was the pepperoni pizza I ate last night? I don't know if they had pizza. I don't know. Moses was presenting his anti-resume to God. How many of you have had an anti-resume when it comes to challenging things that you've had to face in your life? The anti-resume would be the things and the list of things that disqualify you from being used by God. We're familiar with the resume. This is what my education, this is my experience, this is what I've done. Moses was like, let me present my CV to you, God. This will tell you exactly why you should not hire me for this position. I don't have what it takes. I'm not, I'm not good with the words. I can't talk good. You know, that's my version, but he pretty much said that. I'm not, I'm not good, and they're not going to believe me. You know, I was, you know, I grew up in that community, but then I ran away from it, and now I'm going to come back. No, God, you've got the wrong guy. you got the wrong guy. But here's the cool thing. You've heard this before, I think, somewhere. God will never give you more than you can handle. I can't even say it with a straight face. You've heard this before, right? Somewhere, I've heard, honestly, I've heard, I've heard this spoken before, like, from a pulpit. Like, with, like, God will never give you more than you can handle. That is the worst thing that you could say. You know, first of all, you know why? It's not in here. It's not, it's not true. It's not in the Bible. Someone's like, you know, God's word says, never going to give you more than you can handle. No, that's what your great-grandma told you, but I hate to tell you this. She was sweet, she loved Jesus, she prayed really hard, and she could cook, but she could not. No, I'm just joking. It's not true. Actually, it's just the opposite of that. Can I, can I give a quick side context because somebody's going to be like, well, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the Bible somewhere. You did. This is where you saw it, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, the temptations, 
specifically speaking of sexual temptation. This could go in a different direction. That's for another message in another time. But the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations, the sexual temptations, to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, okay, that, in that context, it is true. God will not allow you to face more sexual temptation than you can endure. They will always be a way out. We could preach another message called the way out, the exit sign. But for this, we're talking about life. We're talking about calling. We're talking about the things that we all endure in this thing called life. And I can guarantee you that God will give you more than you can handle. Why? Because he wants you to lean on him. God never calls you to do something that you can do on your own. He never calls you to, to step out onto water that is frozen so that you can walk on it. He calls you to step out in faith and faithfulness and trusting him, knowing that if he doesn't come through, you're going to fall flat on your face. And Moses, I think he knew this. And even though he knew this truth, it still scared the life out of him that what he was about to do was so much bigger than him. Moses understood something that, that I think most of us would understand if we really stopped to think about it, but we have to get past the, the, the limitations and the lies that we choose to believe and the insecurities that are alive inside of every single human being. Everybody's got insecurity. Why? Because we're humans, because we're flawed, because we have faults. But what God's trying to do in us and through us is to help us see that he is bigger than these things. He's like, I'm not calling you because you're flawless. I'm calling you because I'm flawless. I'm not calling you because you're perfect. I'm calling you because I'm perfect. And my perfection, God's perfection, will be made visible through your faithfulness, through your brokenness, and through your obedience. But we've got to be willing to take that step, even if it's that, you know, what about Bob, baby step to the elevator. Another, i got to get some newer references. I'm working on it, y'all. Just baby stepping, baby stepping. You know, even if it's a half a step forward, we have to begin to take these steps inside of us, in our hearts and in our lives and physically that says, God, I trust you with what I'm about to step into. I trust you. And also trust what you're doing around me. I trust what's being spoken into me from you, from your word, and even from people who can be trusted. But God's always gonna give you more than you can handle in these type of circumstances. You know why? Because he wants the glory. Well, that's selfish. Well, he's, he's, he's God. Gives you a little license, right? It gives you a little bit of license, but he's got, he wants the glory. He, want, he doesn't want you to have the glory. He wants to have the glory because here's the deal. If you get the glory, then people will have a problem with that. But if God gets the glory, it points their attention to something that's bigger than you. And it, and, it, and it leads them to, 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 if nothing else, to wonder. It leads them to have an idea of something that is bigger than what they just saw happen. They realize, hey, I, man, I just, I didn't know that. I didn't know you had that in you. I don't. Okay, well then, what just happened? How'd that happen? Let me tell you how that happened. You begin to have an opportunity to tell people about the grace of God. Begin to tell people, hey, I you know, how, how, did you, how, did you break, how did you break that addiction? I, I've been fighting that for years and years, and I know we've had conversations, and you've had the same thing. How did you break that addiction? How did you get that breakthrough? It's not me. It's the grace of God. Because God is faithful, and if he can do it in me, he can do it in you. 
Sometimes the biggest deliverance ministry isn't getting weird and freaky up at an altar. It's you walking out the faithfulness of God in your life and then being open and transparent with others so that they can experience the exact same thing. Man, I love powerful, big church, spiritual, I love them to death, I love them. But there's nothing more powerful than a practical world seeing practical deliverance from people who can't practically describe what happened. It needs a supernatural explanation. And he's, he's, I don't know, just God, let me tell you about what happened in my life. Let me tell you about the faithfulness of God. I can't explain it. I can't, I can't necessarily articulate it that great. All I know is that I was broken and I surrendered my life to the Lord and now I'm in a different place. And God's beginning to use me in ways that I don't qualify for, but he's totally qualified for. The reason why we can have trust in these things that God puts on us and calls us to even though he will give us more than we can handle, is that he will never give us anything that he can't handle. And that's where, that's where our, our thinking has to shift. That's where we have to stop thinking about, like, what can I handle? What can I do? And what's in my capacity? No, we have to think, what, is, what can he do? What is in his capacity? What is possible with God? What does God's word say? How can God use me? When we shift our thinking off of ourself and into where our hope and our strength and our power can come from, Miraculous things can begin to take place. Can I can I can I segue on this word calling? And this isn't gonna be, we're gonna it's gonna be like 30 seconds, but you need to hear this because I think so many Jesus followers, you get tripped up in this word calling, right? Because we think we're like, oh wow, my calling. What's my calling? I don't know what my call, what's my purpose? You know, we kind of we freak out about that. And you just kind of visualize, like, I have to be sitting on top of some mountain having some moment, and angels have to appear, and, and apparently a bush has to be on fire that's not being consumed. Just think of it this way. The way that God speaks and communicates with people now is so much different than how he spoke and communicated with people then. It's, it's actually way more clear. I'm like, well, it's pretty clear if you see a burning bush. Just think about it this way. If you can respond to God in faith because of what he's speaking in your heart Moses needed a stinking bush to be set on fire to get his attention. That doesn't just paint a picture of God's greatness and faithfulness. It also paints a little picture of Moses' stubbornness and that he was blind to the other things that God was doing to get his attention. And God's like, fine. (laughs) Moses, come to the burning bush. I mean, it's like, that's the grace of God. You're like, oh, it's a miracle. I need a burning bush moment. No, you don't. You just need to be quiet. You just need to be still. You just need to listen to the people that God has placed in your life. You just need to crack open the word of God because there's so much revelation in here. You you don't have to be a scholar to, to grow from the word of God. You don't have to have a degree to be able to understand what God is saying in his word. You just have to be available and God will begin to speak. Your calling, let's simplify it. Your calling is following Jesus with faith and obedience in the season of your life where you find yourself now. That's your calling. Let's get rid of all the questions and the mystery and the wonders and, and the callings for super spiritual people. No, just be faithful where you are right now. Because check this out, being faithful with what is in front of you now will lead to the things God has, is going to do for you later. Let me put it this way. You can miss the later by not attending to what's in your life right now. Sometimes people, and this is, I think I struggled with this growing up. I had such, such dreams in my heart, like, gonna, I just feel like God's putting them, oh, do this, ah, oh, oh, we're gonna change the world, we're out of the nations, ah. Oh. And he got so like, I get so wrapped up in like the big things of what is to come 
that you miss what's like right in front of your face. If you can walk in faithfulness and obedience right now with the little things that are in your life, and maybe they don't feel like little things, but what you are, are walking in right now pales in comparison to where God wants to take you. But don't wait for that big thing to come. Be faithful with what is right in front of you, right here, right now. It's the faithfulness in the little things, in the moments where you are right now that actually establish you and prepare you for the things that are to come. But we can dream and we can plan and we can talk about the future and we can talk about changing the world and we can talk about planting 30 convo churches around Nevada. But if we can't do two services, then, we can, we're, then we're being distracted by what's in front of us right now. The first step to being able to expand what we will do in the future is being faithful with what we have right now. So back to Moses. <clears throat> Moses, Moses. A great sign of God calling you to something is the initial feeling of being overwhelmed with what you're being called to. You're like, oh, I don't know, I was just listening to this worship song and it was really cool and all of a sudden I just kind of felt this, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for this person. And it just, my hands got sweaty, and I was like, no, I, I, that's not me. I'm not like the type of person to go like pray for somebody. That's, okay, boom, there's your first sign. That is you. The fact that you feel overwhelmed. Oh, you just, you need to, that person who's at work and they've been struggling with this sickness, you should go pray for them and tell them that God wants to heal them. Are you kidding me? I can't tell them that. Because what if he doesn't? I can't, I can't, I, no. There you go, there's your sign. If you feel overwhelmed with what God is putting in your heart to do, there's your first sign to know that there's a good chance that's what God is asking you to do. Because if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need God. If you had the strength that it took to pull it off, you wouldn't need God. If seeing revival take place in our region was something that we could all just show up and do, we wouldn't need God. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But not everybody does it. Why? Because most people still rely on their own strength, on their own knowledge, on their own power, on their own understanding. And God says, I want you to lean on me and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your paths. I'll make them straight. I'll show up. I'll show you what I'm going to do. So God said to Moses in that beautiful passage that I love so much, he says, all right, all right, Moses, I hear, I hear your insecurities. I can hear the tone in your voice. You sound a little concerned about what I'm asking you to do. What's that in your hand? Moses looks at him. Are you, are you kidding me? Like, this is a, it's a staff. This is a, this is a professional shepherding tool. And then he looks at it again. What? It's a staff. Well, it's a stick. I, I hold, I'm holding a stick in my hand, God. You know what? A, you created everything. I think you know what this is. Obviously, that wasn't the point. That wasn't what God was trying to get at. God, what Moses didn't know is that what God was going to use that little piece of wood to do, that little stick, Moses had no clue. He didn't know that from that stick that miracles were going to come forth. He didn't know that with that stick that the Red Sea was going to part. He didn't know with that stick that he would strike a rock and water would come out of a rock that would feed over 3 million people and all the animals in the middle of a desert. He didn't know that it would be a stick that he would hold up and that the armies of Israel would conquer the enemies who were far greater than they were. Moses had no idea. So you got to remember that this is not some self-help talk about how you've got what it takes to get through. Just look at what's in your hand. No, you don't have what it takes to get through, but all God needs is what is in your hand. 
So you got to understand the world in which we live in, the time in which we live in, we get to live in the revelation of who Jesus is. In the Old Testament, it was just a concept, it was just a thought, it was just, it was just a prophetic inkling of what was to come, this Messiah and this Savior and this life that could be lived and, and the grace and the power and the love of God, but we get to live in it right now. We get to live in the power and the revelation of who Jesus is, and not just in who he is, but that we get to live and operate with the same power of God because of the Spirit of God that's made available to us. Man, we get to live in a great time. There's no, there, there has literally been no greater time to be alive than right now. You're like, man, don't you watch the news? Yeah, but I don't have to. The, the news doesn't dictate the greatness of what is happening in the kingdom of God. When you look at what is happening in the world, believe it or not, things are actually getting better. And we say this from time to time. It's because we live not in the kingdom of this world. We live in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is expanding. More people every day know about the grace and the love of God than ever before. Miracles are happening all over the world. Churches are being planted all over the world. Missionaries are going out all over the world. Needs are being met by the people of God all over the world at greater and greater ways than ever before. Sometimes it just, it's when the darkness of the brokenness of our world gets cornered, it just gets more visible. But when I do a little science project, and I hold up more light in a room that used to be dark, the darkness doesn't get bigger, the light actually gets bigger. And that's what God is trying to get through in his church today. But you have to remember that you can do some things through Christ who gives you strength. Give me all that. I'm trying to test your Bible knowledge today just a little bit. No, the Bible says you can do all things through Christ. Doesn't matter whether you have a stick doesn't matter whether you have a calling. Doesn't matter whether you have what skill you think you have or you don't have. Doesn't matter what your personality you think. Doesn't matter what you think your personality is. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Because what it seems impossible for man is possible through Christ. So here's the first, first thought here. What's in your hand is more powerful than what's not in your hand. Moses had a staff. What do you have? What are you facing in your real, everyday life right now that you think you don't have what it takes to accomplish? Is it, is it your marriage? Does your marriage need a miracle? Is it something in your family? Are you, do you have a friend or a family member that is sick who needs to be healed? Are you in a financial situation right now that you don't know how to get out of and you don't know how you're going to make it through? Like, what is it? Make it practical for you. Don't let this be some talk. Don't let this be some, just another message that you hear from a preacher. What is going on in your life right now where you need God to come through? What is in your hand is more powerful than what is not in your hand. Like Moses, most people focus on what they, what they don't have. And I'm telling you if, you, if you are constantly just living a life focused on what you don't have, life's going to pass you by. Life is going to pass you by. We, we have so much more capable inside of us than what we think. But what we end up doing, especially now in the age of social media and and, you know, like the, the people that you follow, it's like, wow, their, their kids are always clean. And, and, uh, and wow, that, their house looks fantastic. You know, they, they, must, they must, you know, they always prepare these perfect meals and take pictures of it. Wow, I can't even live up to that. That's not their life either. They had somebody do that for them. Who do you think was taking the picture? Ever wonder that? Like, these people just have, like, professional photographers following around every aspect of their life? They're like, you know, it's like, how did you capture that candid image when you were lovingly brushing your children's teeth and 
and everything was neat, and they were smiling, and nobody was yelling at each other to get ready for bed, and don't do that. Put that down. Don't put that in your mouth. Stop breaking these things. Why can't you just, you know, that wasn't happening. You just, you're like, wow, man, their life is perfect. Because we, we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. Actually, it says in 2 Corinthians, the Bible has something to say about that, in case you were wondering. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Listen, comparison is a destiny killer. Comparison is a destiny killer. You were not meant to measure up with what God created somebody else to do. You were meant to live in the fullness and the authority and the power of who you are as a son or a daughter of God. You have been called, you have been appointed, you have been qualified to be exactly who God says you can be. And the reason why it's important to understand that what God says part is because we live in a world that is constantly trying to tell you who and what you are and are not. We live, the greatest fight that takes place in our world today is the fight for your identity. The enemy wants you to believe the opposite of what God has created inside of you. And God is screaming out from eternity and doing everything in his power to let you know who exactly who you are and exactly who he created you to be and that he did not make a mistake. The fight for identity is the biggest one, and so comparison will kill your destiny. Comparison will shoot, will shoot your calling square in between the eyes. So you don't have to be like somebody else. Our church doesn't have to be like somebody else's church. You don't have to, to make as much money as somebody else that you're watching on Instagram. Somebody else's fake idea of what success is, and they post only the wins on Instagram. And you're like, man, if my life was just like that, man, all my problems would go away. No, that's not the case at all. Nobody posts about their problems. And if they do, it's not a whole lot of followers, because we don't want that. We just want the good stuff. We want something to shoot for. We want something to compare to. We want somebody to, so we can live our life vicariously through somebody else. But you got to understand that you don't need to be able to beef up your own resume. You only need God's resume. God's faithful. He's going to come through. Moses' shepherd's staff was more powerful than the powers of nature. The stick in his hand was more powerful than the tides and the currents of the Red Sea. The stick that he had in his hand was so powerful that it was able to overcome all the magicians and the sorcerers of Egypt and how they compared with their, their staff and their stick. The stick that was in his hand was so powerful that it was able to overcome 400 years of slavery and bondage to release people into their destiny of who God said they were as a people. We got to understand that if God can do something like that with the stick, imagine what he could do with what's in your life. Imagine what he could do with what's in your hand. Moses didn't even have the same expression and power and connection with the Holy Spirit like we have available today. But the one thing that is consistent is that whether it was Old Testament time or whether it's New Testament time, God has always been faithful. And God has never come up short in his power. And here's the last thought right here. What's in your hand will lead to what's in your heart. It's interesting to think that Moses never wanted to be a shepherd, if you were to look at the whole context. You kind of go back to the whole the story of Moses. He was born at a time when Pharaoh was trying to kill all the firstborn uh, sons of, of the Israel nation at that time and just trying to do away with an entire generation. And Moses, you know, God put him in the, in the little basket. They put him in the Nile River. 
and all the crocodiles are trying to get him, and so it's splashing back and forth. You remember these scenes? And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh's daughter sees this, this baby in a basket in the reeds, pulls him out, and he's raised in Pharaoh's house. And he knows, we get the idea that he knows his identity as a Hebrew, but he's raised in Pharaoh's house. And he sees the oppression of his people. And actually, at one point, he even kills an Egyptian who he sees abusing another Hebrew. I wouldn't advise it, and it didn't work out well for him either. And it says, from that point, he fleed for his life. So Moses, he never wanted to be a shepherd. It's like, Moses, what are you called to do? When you grow up, what do you want to be? I want to be a shepherd. Because that sounds awesome. Out with stinky sheep all the time. In the middle of nowhere in the desert with a stick. That's what I want to do when I grow up. No, he didn't, he didn't want that. So did, did, did God mess up in, in Moses taking the step to be a shepherd? No. Did he stumble into his calling? No. God knew exactly what he was doing. Because what Moses did as a shepherd would prepare him to be the leader that God called him to be with Israel. When you are faithful with what is in your hand, it will lead to what's in your heart. Because I believe that it was in the heart of Moses to see the people that he knew he was connected to, to be delivered and to be set free. But he didn't just run back to Egypt and was like, all right, I'm going to free my people. No, he was a shepherd and he was faithful there. He was faithful in what he didn't even necessarily want to do but he was faithful and it led to what was in his heart to do. Come on, listen, I don't know what your, what your life is like right now. I don't know what your nine to five looks like. I don't know the things that you are dealing with on a day-to-day basis in your life. Maybe what you're doing is not what you dreamed of. Maybe the job that you have is not what you thought you would be doing. Maybe your life situation right now is not where you thought you would be, but I'm telling you, don't give up where you are now just because you think eventually something's gonna come your way. Be faithful with where you are right now. This is what you, sometimes we don't realize is that where we are right now is going to create the opportunity, the development, the connection to be a light where we are so that God can see if we're gonna be faithful so that he can elevate. God elevates the faithful. We're like, well, I've seen people who haven't been faithful. They were just kind of went after it and they made it happen. Yeah, but you know what? After a time, a lot of that doesn't end well. Because you may have the giftings and the talents to take you somewhere, but if you don't have the character and integrity along with it, then you won't be able to sustain it. But when you start with character and you start with heart and you start with integrity and you start with faithfulness right where you are, showing up when it's hard to show up, being faithful when everyone else isn't being faithful, putting in the extra work when you're exhausted and when you're tired. God sees it, and he is going to come through. He is going to promote you. He is going to develop you. He is going to allow you to get to what's on your heart, but it starts with being faithful with where you are right now. So listen, when it comes to your own life, don't despise where you currently are. Don't despise what's currently in your hand, and don't compare it to what other people have because that's not the point. That's not what God's trying to get at. Don't despise this season of life. Follow Jesus with faith. Follow him with obedience in this current season. And I promise you that God is going to use it if you'll be patient. You're like, no, you didn't have to say that part. I don't like being patient. No, if you'll be patient and be faithful with where you are right now, God's going to develop you and he's going to lead you to where you're supposed to be. How do I do this? Start talking to God. Pray. Ask God to show you what is in your hand. Because maybe we've been talking about it, like, I don't even know. Empty, 
Air, that's what's in my hand. Pray, ask God, because there is something in your hand. There is something that is already there. And take time, um, take what's in your hand, give it to God. Ask him about it. Ask him, what can I possibly do with this? What can I possibly accomplish with this thing that you have put in my hand? Embrace your current season with joy and faith. Follow Jesus with faith and obedience every single day. It is a choice. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. Well, I just, you know, I used to be really passionate about God, but I just don't feel it anymore. Listen, if, if your faith was based around a feeling, man, we'd all be stuck. We'd all be stuck. But God is trying to call us past our feelings because that's when we begin to actually walk out in faith. And God is faithful. He's not going to leave us. And then lastly, just ask people in your life who are men and women of God to pray for you and to hold you accountable in this season of life. Say, hey, I don't know, this isn't where I really want to be, but this is where I am. So you go to somebody, hey, will you help me? Will you help me to, to, to kind of get out of myself and, and look at the season where I'm at right now and, and help me to, you know, to seek God for what God's trying to do in this season? Will you pray for me? Will you check in on me occasionally? Will you, you know, if you see me having a bad attitude about this season, can you call me out on it? Get people in your life who are gonna help you with that journey where you are right now. Come on, listen. What's in your hand is more powerful than what's not in your hand. And if you're faithful with what's in your hand, it will lead to what's in your heart. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to combochurch.com and simply click the give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.